0: This podcast is brought to you by Mapper Forward's new Patreon community, the Global Coffee Think Tank. Check the show notes or head to patreon.com forward slash Mapper Forward to find out how you can become a member today. Welcome back to our final episode of our five-part series with Diego Barayona. Diego, today we are talking about the future of the coffee supply chain out of El Salvador. What does the future hold for the supply chain out of El Salvador given that we have to deal with um, climate change. We have to deal with uh, things like coffee leaf rust and borer beetle and whatever comes after that. We've got to deal with uh, shifting financial tectonic shifting financial occurrences coming our way. We've got inflation and we've got currency issues and we've got logistical issues. So what does the next decade look like for the supply chain out of El Salvador as you guys adapt to what you're gonna need to do to survive?
1: Yeah, like I was saying to you earlier today, Tough question to answer because so, so, so uncertain. It's hard to see past one year, two years because you see the world every year has been completely different. Yeah. So it's been really hard to see the future. But like we've been talking about financial security, financial stability, financial being smart about your financials. That's going to be what, what we have to do. Be, be smart about contracts, be smart about what, what you are planting in the farm betting on the on the right varieties. Like like I, I just talked with our, our farm manager. Like I don't want to plant any more gesha I'm done with the geshas. <laughs> you know? Really? Yeah. Why? I gesha, I mean they're amazing copyright. Taste mm-hmm. amazing quality, but it takes a lot of fertilizers. It they're more delicate. They require more and more and more and more they're really, really delicate to sun, to, to rust, and I'm like, I don't have right now like the capacity to to keep planting and betting on that variety. Production is really low, so yeah. I'm, I'm trying to. Me and I, will, I, I'm suggesting that we have to bet on the right coffee varieties, maybe hybrids, maybe other coffees, you know, that can withstand all this this issues and climate change.
0: It goes back to what we were saying in a previous episode about responsibility, right? yeah those who are dialing back their risk appetite and being more responsible are probably going to have a better chance at surviving these the challenges of the next decade, yeah and we could be totally wrong, like it could be the people who risk everything and have a huge win. they're the ones who are going to find the most innovation and the might but it's a gamble either way at this point, yeah yeah. I want to ask you about water. We haven't yes. spoken about water yet.
1: Ooh, question, yeah.
0: Talk to me about water over the next decade, because yeah. it, that's going to be a game changer for a lot of people, right? It's going to be a determining factor.
1: Yeah, because I mean, rain's, I mean, for me, because starting for me at the, the farms, putting Nails, we don't have access to water. I mean, water, I have to pump it from really, really down there from below, from towns, and it's really expensive. Or mm-hmm. My father, years used to bring like a big truck, big pipe, but that's really expensive and really bad for, that, for the environment. So we, we built a, a water reservoir. Mm-hmm. We have, but every year it's been getting a little bit harder to to to, to fill the reservoir. Yeah. So there's going to be a scarcity of water also. Rainwater is going to be scarce because it doesn't rain that much anymore or it's really, it fluctuates a lot. It's not it's predictable because it's all shifted. So water is going to play big 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 part in the future like like how are we going to handle scarcity of water
0: so what with the scarcity of water does that mean that you have to find more drought resistant strains of coffee trees or do you have to just change the business model so that you can survive with lower yields
1: we can start from from processing we Making washed coffees, for example, we we wouldn't be able to do that much washed coffees anymore. Because they, yeah. they require a, a lot of water.
0: Right. Also, so market a lot. Wow, what are you gonna say to the anti natural bros when
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean in that that that's an interesting right one, right? Like yeah. you've got people on the consuming end of the supply chain that have all of these opinions about yeah. what tastes good and what doesn't taste good and why you should sell this and why you should sell that without any real connection to its impact on yeah. producers and, and what goes into actually creating those coffees.
1: Really hard because it's, what I've noticed, it's all about trends and we as farmers, it's hard to give up to trends. Like we we don't it's have- so stupid. To to trends. And like for years, natural, natural, natural. Okay, there's natural. From intentions and aerobic CMS were okay. But now we, we, we want only wash coffees. I'm like, I don't really have the capacity, like that, that much water to to do. To, to, you know, so it's, it's hard to keep up with all these trends. And that's why I was saying like we as producers, we don't really have the power to control the trends.
0: Which is why I'm so excited about this next generation of producers. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like if anyone is going to uh, redistribute the balance of power more evenly across the supply chain,
1: Mm. it's
0: going to be your generation because your generation, from what I've witnessed, are more, first of all, they speak English so that they can communicate more directly with the, the consuming end of the supply chain and they aren't scared of technology. So they're happy to get out there on social media and say the things that need to be said. And they're also more willing to come on podcasts, not just because they want to get famous, but because they want to have real discussions.
1: I right? want to bragging friends. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Sure. But uh, you only get bragging rights on this podcast when you, like, you got to be somebody who's willing to put themselves out there and have, like, the courage to talk about some of the things that you've been talking about.
1: Yeah. I You know, and it's part of that, like, Sometimes you might be wrong. I might, I might be wrong. I don't care. I'm, I'm just saying what I what I've been thinking.
0: But and we're just we're talking. We're shooting yeah, the beautiful. shit about ideas and things, yeah. so that we can learn from each other and 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 figure out like what's actually broken out there, what's working out there, yeah. and somebody's gonna listen to this and they're gonna be serving los pereños coffee. And they're going to be able to connect it with you and they're going to understand, like, they're going to look at the bag and they're going to say, this is a washed coffee. But actually, I heard Diego on the on the Map of Hoard podcast and these guys have a problem with water. Yeah. I'm going to have to think about that.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm going to have to think about, well, wow, like how much water does it actually take to get all these coffees that are served in our cafe?
1: I, I have the number, actually.
0: <laughs> oh, Please,
1: we can our reservoir holds a million gallons of water, and we uh-huh. use it all every year. We we completely all of it, yeah, all of it, yeah. We use it for the for the wash coffees, for the whole farm, for the wet meal, for the fertilizer, for for the whole operation for, for a whole year. A million gallons.
0: That would be about three million liters, right?
1: I think so. Yeah, two
0: point eight two. Ke- yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's about three million. Liters of water. That's a lot of, of, water. It's a a lot lot of water. water.
1: It's a lot of water. Yeah.
0: And you have to either buy that water or you have to get it from rain.
1: Yeah, we we get it from part of my my uh, sustainability uh, mentality, pure pure rain. But well, like, there's other people who don't have reservoirs, so I have to buy it out. So imagine all the farms buying that amount of water. That doesn't seem very right. Eco-friendly.
0: This is the part that confuses me about it and I, I hope you can help me understand uh, understand this a bit better. If you're not getting paid until you deliver the coffee, mm-hmm. but you've got all this expense that happens up front, how, how does the way that that cycles or the expectation that you should just be paying for everything up front?
1: Yeah, that's that's actually the Probably the first issue I picked up when I took over the, the farm and the business, like, where do I get this money up front? It's a lot of money. I need yeah. a lot of money up front every every year to, to start a harvest. It's a lot of money.
0: It's the part that confuses me the most about why people feel entitled to turn around and say, I'm not paying until it arrives in my warehouse.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like there's a sense of entitlement that comes with that. Yeah. And perhaps I'm just being naive but is this something that needs to get fixed Is this something that is getting like it, it we don't have a choice this is, has to change
1: It's something that I feel like it has to change nowadays and I feel like it's something in dialogue that we have to to, to start and I've been having issues I, I it's funny funny I've, I've been feeling kind of weird but it took to ask my, my clients hey can you can we please renegotiate payment terms can can we? At least fifty percent up front, fifty percent, you know, like, like I feel like there's ways we can go about it. And but I I, I don't know why I've i been feeling like like queer about it, which it shouldn't be weird, because we we are going through a hard time and you know.
0: Yeah, and and there's this transition point yeah. that we're gonna go through where people don't know what the future holds and they're from where they're sitting is I don't have access to the lines of credit that i re- I'm required. Yeah. To have, if I want to have a responsible business, I should be securing my crop. Yeah. My coffee. And I should be putting my money where my mouth is. Mm -hmm. But I need an out. Like, uh, if, what happens if the business goes under? I don't want to be responsible for for all of this coffee. What do I do? What I'm saying is, I think the discomfort you're feeling with asking these questions is felt in a different way on the other side. Yeah. They have to admit their inability to meet your requirements, mm-hmm. which which takes them deep into the realities of their own business and the, yeah. the vulnerability their business has to collapse if they do responsible business. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of business owners out there, are hiding under the veil of what it looks like their success is. Their cafes are full, and so therefore they must have a lot of, yeah. of money.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I am a coffee, consult- a coffee business consultant. I have a lot of clients, and I can tell you now, the reality of it is very different when I start going through their profit and loss statements with them. Mm-hmm. When, they, when they start to realize that they didn't know that they haven't been making money for a couple of years, it's a problem. Yeah. And I suspect that there are many more businesses out there that that's a reality for, and this is why when somebody like you who was saying, look, I have to be responsible in the way that I'm doing business. So to be fair is the only way I can be responsible. I'm not going to ask you for everything upfront, but I do need 50% upfront to keep this fair. Which is a reasonable ask.
1: Find like a middle ground, you know.
0: Right, and and what I think is happening is the moment you ask that question, what you're saying to somebody. Uh, Warren Buffett has this really great quote of, "It's not when the tide goes out, that's when you find out who's swimming naked." <laughs> and your question does that. Yeah. Your question reveals to people who's swimming naked.
1: And I'm sure I'm not the only one thinking about this. I'm pretty sure a lot of people have thought about this.
0: Which is why I wanted you to come on the podcast and have an open conversation about it because you are daring that way. And this is the only way that we bring our dirty laundry out into the public as a yeah. as a community. Like this is a dysfunctional industry.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's dysfunctional because the barrier to entry is so low
1: mm.
0: And we have a saturated market. And so everybody thinks, well, it can't be that hard. Everybody's doing it. I'm going to open a cafe as well. I'm going to open a roastery as well. I'm just going to go be a coffee producer. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Because my father and all the generations before that were coffee producers. And look, like now I'm expected to be a coffee producer. And then we get people like you that turn around and say, I didn't think that I would be in this scenario, but I am. And you know what? I'm going to change it because if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it well and if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it in a profitable, responsible way. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to piss a whole bunch of people off doing that because now you show them that that's not okay to be dysfunctional anymore.
1: Yeah, and I think I piss a lot of people.
0: <laughs> yeah. the, the technical, <laughs> you're So you're a disruptor and the technical term of what you're doing is called cognitive dissonance. Yeah. And so you you do and you are in good company because I am one of those people too who constantly stir cognitive dissonance in, right. around people who have been like under the surface, low-key, aware that things need to change but they don't want it to change because change is going to be uncomfortable.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We have too many practices in our industry that fester not only dysfunction, but bad practices, irresponsible business practices. Yeah. And we can't afford, we don't have the luxury of affording that given the future that's coming. Not in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So as we wrap up this series, first of all, thank you. I love my conversations with you. Um, so thanks for coming on and being so honest and being so open. Um, where can people find out more about Los Peroneos and connect with you?
1: Yeah, uh, we are on Instagram uh, at toffee mm-hmm. or my Instagram at Dosu.
0: Go and, and check out his marathons and make yourself <laughs> feel like shit that you do <laughs> nowhere close to the <laughs> amount of physical exercise that Diego. <laughs> Does.
1: I, I gotta be sharp and healthy for, for, the, uh, for, for the global issues i gotta be um.
0: uh, this has been a real pleasure thank you so much my friend
1: thank you Lee. i look forward and to the healthy.
0: next time we'll do it again soon
1: yes for sure
0: peace love and peanut butter everybody have an amazing rest of your day Thanks for tuning in, folks. The best way that you can support this podcast is to join us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash map it forward. There, you can become a part of our community, the Global Coffee Think Tank, for as little as $3 a month. That's a total of $36 a year. We have a lot of big ideas for this community, so I really hope that you'll join in. This podcast is produced by Mapple Forward and the song you're currently listening to is called Run 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 off of my album, Laundry After Midnight, which is produced by Evolutionary Theory. You can check the show notes for links. For more content from Mapple Forward, consider joining joining our mailing list at mapleforward.org forward slash mailing list.